This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 21st, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. How free is your state? In the Cato Institute's new Freedom in the 50 States report, authors Jason Sorens and Will Ruger go through volumes of data to arrive at a ranking of the 50 states. So how did your state do? I spoke with the report's authors today. In this Freedom in the 50 States report, what is it exactly that we're measuring? Well, this is the most comprehensive study and ranking of freedom in the 50 states. And what we're trying to measure is the ability of people to order their life, liberty, and property as they see fit, consistent with the equal rights of others. And to do that, we compare states on policies in three different areas, fiscal policy, regulatory policy, and personal freedom. And we look at about 230 variables in those categories, everything from taxation to debt, eminent domain laws to occupational licensing, alcohol and drug policy to educational choice, and so many others. All right. So which states have uh, performed the best in this, this sort of snapshot that you've taken? Well, the top state this year is Florida, um, and this is their uh, first time at number one. And then that's followed by New Hampshire, Indiana, Colorado, and Nevada. Um, And then in terms of the states that are actually doing quite poorly in terms of freedom, and again, this needs to be looked at relative to other states. I mean, we're not saying that these states that are doing poorly are exactly equal to, you know, Burma or, um, you know, states like Afghanistan or Iraq. We're we're talking about within the context of the U.S., Um, but they are doing quite poorly, particularly number 50, which is New York, uh, which is a lot uh, worse on freedom across the board than other states. Um, That's followed by Hawaii, California, New Jersey, and Vermont in terms of the least free in the United States. When we look at uh, states and the the sort of the three broad categories you look at, personal freedom, economic freedom, regulatory freedom, uh, if you sort of scrub through the book, you notice that, or I noticed, and maybe I'm wrong in, in, in thinking this way, but regulatory freedom and economic freedom seem to move together. Is that right? That's generally right. Although, so regulatory freedom and fiscal policy make up economic freedom. Economic freedom is simply adding those two things together. And uh, both of those things have a big influence on economic freedom. Uh, But uh, regulation uh, is very important. Uh, It's, um, you know, it includes policies that really affect uh, the bottom line for businesses, for home buyers, uh, including, so we have regulations like restrictions on entry, restrictions on prices, um, the civil liability system, uh, and uh, the uh, the extent to which um, the state government, state and local governments respect property rights, for instance, in land. So really strict zoning laws in some places have driven up the cost of housing, driven up rents. And, uh, and that's a really big effect on people's bottom line. Yeah, I misspoke earlier. Fiscal freedom, regulatory freedom, personal freedom are the three broad categories you look at. And of course, economic freedom is uh, a combination of those things. So there are some states that have, uh, you know, their their personal freedom scores are radically different from their fiscal and regulatory freedom scores. And the trends seem to to bear that out in many states. Um Is there a partisan element to a lot of this? It seems that that states like Vermont, for example, high uh, personal freedom and then everything else seems to be uh, pretty bad. 
There is a partisan element, and we didn't go into this expecting anything in particular, but uh, we have now found pretty strong evidence that red states just tend to be a lot better on economic freedom issues, whether fiscal policy or regulatory policy, than blue states. And uh, you can even see this with states that have changed. So West Virginia is an interesting case because it used to be deep blue and now it's deep red. So you've had a huge change in the partisanship and ideology of that state. And in accord with that, you've seen big liberalization of the economy, tort reform, uh, workers' comp reform, right to work. Uh, So that state has become a lot freer on economic issues. But on personal freedom, it's kind of interesting. We see a slight advantage for blue states over red states on personal freedom. Uh, But really what happens with personal freedom is that red states are good on some things and bad on others, and it's flipped for blue states. So gun laws, tobacco laws, uh, red states tend to allow for more freedom in those areas. Uh, But when it comes to marriage or marijuana or incarceration rates, uh, blue states tend to be better. And if you look at the top states, states like Florida, New Hampshire, and Indiana, they actually score pretty well across the board, even though two of those are are relatively red, um, or you could say at least Indiana is, and then New Hampshire and Florida are somewhat purple. But the fact is, is that they do pretty well across the board. In fact, uh, Florida scores better on personal freedom than it does on the component of economic freedom that is regulatory policy. Um, and so you do see states that, again, lead the pack or are those states that are doing well across the board. It's not as if the top states are merely just great on taxes and then, you know, their incarceration, you know, states, uh, they are, you know, restricting personal freedoms. They're doing pretty well across the board. Now, I also noticed that uh, you now it's worth noting again that uh, these are comparisons among states. These are not comparisons in some sort of absolute sense, but you do provide uh, charts that detail uh, sort of average scores along these uh, three big dimensions: fiscal, regulatory, and personal freedom. And there has been a, a rather large uh, increase, it seems, in um, across these categories, but regulatory we'll talk about later. But in terms of fiscal and personal freedom, states have been performing better according to your index. Why is that? Yeah. So when we exclude policies that the federal government controls, we we see that there's been this big increase in freedom across the board, uh, pretty much with a a slight dip in in regulatory freedom uh, most recently. But what's going on, I think, is that states on fiscal policy, first of all, you had the Great Recession. And states mostly responded to that by cutting spending rather than raising taxes. They needed to balance their budgets. They cut spending. Um, you know, a few states raised taxes, but the, the majority cut spending. And, they, and since the, the recession ended, they've kept spending low and they've retired debt. Um, they've, they've kept taxes low. And uh, that's resulted in a big increase in fiscal freedom across the states. On personal freedom, uh, the federal government has played an important role in striking down sodomy laws. The Supreme Court struck down sodomy laws in the early 2000s, and then they they struck down uh, bans on same-sex marriage uh, in the 2010s, and that's increased freedom. But there's also a lot that's been happening at the state level that's increased freedom. Uh, There's been in the the large majority of states... um, 
a trend toward liberalizing gun laws, and that um, and that's increased their freedom. And then there's also been a trend toward liberalizing marijuana laws and criminal justice in general. Uh, incarceration rates in the vast majority of states have actually peaked and have started to fall a bit in the last few years. So we were seeing um, real improvements, uh, even in in red states, on a lot of these policies. And you know, we've also seen criminal justice reforms, and some of the conservative states have actually been leading in that area. If you think about uh, ways in which you've seen civil asset forfeiture reform, uh, as well as uh, prison reform, which will take a while to have the kind of impact in our study when it comes to incarceration rates. But you know, these are important changes that haven't been led at the federal level. They've been happening at the states where really the action has been. So the one thing that, that we should keep in mind, again, this is a comparison among states. So states that have fallen in their rankings, uh, they may not have done anything to restrict freedom. Uh, they may simply have not kept pace with uh, states that have uh, gotten rid of some bad laws. So is, is th does that borne out by uh, what you've found? Yes, that's an important point. We do provide the absolute scores. And in fact, I, we've, we find those to be of more scientific interest than just the rankings. But, uh, but yeah, there, uh, there are states that have improved and become freer, but have fallen in the rankings just because the average state is improving faster than they are. When states are looking at this report and they want to make use of it and they say, well, we want to lead in, in these areas, what should state lawmakers and uh, governors be uh, looking at most closely in your report to, to really move the needle? Because I know you, you, you wait, provide weights for different uh, policy regimes for be it criminal justice or uh, regulation or gun laws or things like that. But um, when states, if states wanted to move the needle the most, what should they be paying the most attention to? Yeah. So we uh, weight policies by looking at what economists and, and others have found about the effects of each of these policies. And uh, so things like taxes are obviously going to be really big. Uh, you know, that, that affects everybody and it's a significant proportion of your income. Uh, so that's always going to be important is your fiscal situation. And at the end of the day, keeping your tax burden low is the most important part of fiscal policy for us. Uh, there are also other things like um, in in regulatory policy, we'd look particularly at, at land use regulation. And this is the one area where states have, on average, declined. Just in the last two years, we've seen some evidence that um, that housing policy has gotten worse. That zoning regulations have become stricter in the average state, not in not in all states, uh, and that's uh, really important. Um, so we'd we'd uh, recommend some focus on that. Labor law. Uh, is also um, really important to economic growth and investment. Uh, so that's labor law is 5% of our index. And a lot of that is right to work, uh, minimum wage, workers' compensation rules. And you see a big red state, uh, blue state divide on that. And then on personal freedom, uh, incarceration and victimless crime arrest rates are the, the big things there. Um, so if you can reduce the number of things that are crimes, you know, nonviolent activities that hurt no one else that are crimes. And if you can reduce sentences, uh, then you're going to uh, see some big increases in personal freedom. Yeah. If you think about a state like New Hampshire, that's number two, if it wanted to, re you know, have that top spot in the country, if it wanted to overtake Florida, it could do something like, you know, pass a right to work law. And I know that that's been something that's been discussed up there. 
Uh, you could reduce the occupational licensing. You could get a handle on the really restrictionist uh, land use policies that are you know, harming people all over the state in terms of housing costs. Uh, so those are the areas where it could really try to take off. There are some uh, areas where you might disagree with uh, your report, might disagree with some economists. I want to dig, dig into one of those at least, and that is uh, zoning. There are a lot of states that, that have you know, highly restrictive local zoning. A lot of economists say that should be run at the state level rather than at the local level. Um, what would that do to a state if they were to uh, shift zoning powers to the legislature rather than uh, local communities? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think uh, the literature there that I find most useful is um, uh, some work by uh, Dartmouth economist uh, Bill Fischel. And what he finds is that when you take land use policy up to a higher level of government, you basically squeeze out homeowners and you get much more developer influence. And so you probably do get laxer zoning regulations unless, and this is an important exception, unless you allow for um, direct democratic voting on land use policy, uh, like California. And there you get restrictive uh, regulation, even though land use policy is largely set, uh, according to him, uh, at the county level, unless you're a large city uh, in California. So it's at a level where you would expect, you know, developers have more influence, homeowners less, Nevertheless, you get restricted policy because of direct democracy. So, you know, I, th I do think there's a role for higher level governments to place some limits on what local governments can do with zoning. I think the ideal way to do this is with a regulatory taking compensation law. And actually, this is something that a number of economists and especially uh, the law and economics crowd have touted as a way of giving local governments the proper incentives. So they know that if they regulate um, the value of someone's property and forbid them from, say, subdividing their land, they're going to have to compensate that landowner for the cost of it. And so if it's a worthwhile project, if it's actually valuable to the community to do this, then they'll go ahead and do it. But it does put a price on these restrictions. And currently, there, in most places, there is no such price. So we do include regulatory taking compensation uh, laws as part of our index, but this is something that uh, most states have not taken very seriously. A lot of them have uh, some limited rules around this, but they could go much further. Yeah, and I'd add to that that you know Florida has an example of this. The in 1995 it passed the Bird Harris Private Property Rights Protection Act, and that limited local governments uh, really in this area by forcing them to compensate landowners when new regulations really hurt the or damage the value of of property. Uh, and if you put that together with restrictions on eminent domain abuse, and I think that can really help property owners in the various states. What has made states like uh, Florida and New Hampshire stand out relative to other states? The reason why Florida and New Hampshire are leading the rankings is because they're solid across the board, even in personal freedom. And that belies the notion that these redder states are good on economic policy, but not as good on personal policy, uh, freedom. In fact, Florida and New Hampshire both do better on personal freedom relative to the other states than they do on regulatory policy. So again, it's not just the economic side. Um, you know, really a big part of Florida and New Hampshire's success is their fiscal policy, uh, where they've been leading states in terms of keeping tax burdens down and, and government smaller. Uh, they're also relatively good, at least in Florida, on land use. Um, and then Florida also has been a leader on educational choice for families. 
Uh, and that really helps. Um, and in particular, these are states that really shine uh, when it comes to making sure that the the kind of overall footprint of government on their lives is not very large, uh, allowing citizens to basically live out their pro- life project as they see fit. Now, again, uh, there's not as much difference between, say, Florida and New York and between all the American states and you know, countries abroad, uh, you know, the Burmas, the, you know, Madagascars, the Zimbabwe's. Um, but the fact is, is there are real differences. And I think New York really shows how much you can get wrong and it has a big impact. And and that's something we should really go into is, is why freedom matters. But just on Florida, I mean, think about it. Their fiscal and regulatory policies are the worst in the nation uh, by far. And even on personal freedom, they're not doing very well. They're number 40 on personal freedom. So it's not as if a blue state like New York is simply economically restrictive, but people are kind of live and let live. They do badly across the board. You know, in thinking of New York's fiscal policies, high debt, high local tax burden. In fact, it's twice the national average. Uh, The state tax burden is higher than the national average. So the citizens of New York are really being weighted down. And and who that really hurts most probably in New York is actually the people outside of the New York City region. And that's one of the reasons why we're seeing such massive flight of New Yorkers out of the state. Uh, New York has lost over 10% of its 2000 population over the last couple decades. It is now possible for uh, many, many, especially young people to live in a state and do their work without having to uh, live near their place of employment. And uh, for for those people who want a good quality of life, uh, you know, that, uh, that option is, is very real. Certainly employers and I would think state lawmakers would, should be very sensitive to that. So uh, what do we know about uh, people moving to and from these various states. Yeah, we weren't sure what we would find here, but what we did find is that every element of freedom, fiscal, regulatory, and personal, uh, is associated with in-migration from other states. And we find this when we split the sample into pre- and post-Great Recession. We find this uh, when we compare neighboring states to each other. And we find this when we look at direct state-to-state migration flows. So, um, you know, we do find some evidence that economic freedom matters more to migration since the Great Recession and personal freedom matters somewhat less. It could be that uh, economic freedom is largely attracting business investment and creating jobs. And people are moving for jobs uh, when the economy is doing badly. Uh, and then when the economy does well, maybe they move a little more for lifestyle and personal freedom. Um, but <clears throat> throughout the period, personal freedom is still also positive for migration. And then we also look at economic growth directly, and we find that uh, economic freedom is associated with economic growth, and we find that regulatory policy in particular seems to be important for economic growth. Yeah, and the numbers are pretty staggering. If you think about New York, uh, like I said, it's over 10%. In fact, it's well over 10%. It's around 14% of their 2,000 population uh, fled the state. And you think about Illinois, it's the same thing, over 10% leaving. Even a state like California, which you associate with 
you know, the kind of good life, the great weather, all those natural amenities, they lost about 6% of their population. And again, that's not counting people moving from other countries to these states. But in terms of the people who were there in 2000, uh, they're losing significant portions of their population. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that in a lot of areas, government is really squeezing people, it's squeezing businesses, and it's making it much more attractive for people to vote with their feet and for businesses to vote with their feet. Um, despite some of the great things about a, a place like New York or California. I mean, think about how much New York City is a magnet for people or how about how the coasts of California are so beautiful, and yet they're pushing people away. And we think that that's really a, a related to freedom. I think our evidence shows that. And I think states that are, are wise and maybe don't have those kind of natural amenities, uh, they'd be wise to produce policies that will attract people. If you think about a state like Indiana, Indiana had a slight negative dip in its in-migration, out-migration numbers. But compared to its neighbors, it did a lot better, despite not having a great city like Chicago, where you know Illinois lost a lot more population than Indiana did, uh, despite being in many ways a more attractive place for both business and uh, kind of the vibrancy of a, of a city like Chicago. William Ruger and Jason Sorens are authors of the Cato Institute's new Freedom in the 50 States report. You can read more details on the report at Cato.org and freedomin the50states.org. 